0: Amen. Hey, church, you may be seated. Um, It's been a long time, and it is so nice to gather again. I just cannot emphasize that enough. It's been really hard um, to preach to a camera. Um, Very tiring. I didn't look forward to it, but we're finally together. And um, just like um, Jay mentioned, the word "ecclesia," we've said many times that the church is not a building. We, it's not a building. We don't, when we go to church, we don't go to a building. Um, ecclesia means the gathering. When we go to church, we go to gather together. And in this season, we didn't have a building, and we didn't have the gathering. So both of those things were kind of like stripped. Um, and yeah, many of us felt that. Um, It was hard, but praise God that we are able to be together, see each other's faces, and worship our King together. Um, I don't know what you have been doing over the past uh, couple months. There's been a lot of free time. I know there's been a lot of people uh, growing some kind of of mold for sourdough bread. Um, Even I jumped on that hype. Um, So everybody became a sourdough bread artisan. Um, There's those who have become professional TikTok dancers. And um, also, I've heard there's a lot of COVID babies coming. So I'm not going to say who, but there's a rumor out there. Um, I'm sure we'll find out soon. So there was no time wasted. Um, and just to clarify, we're not expecting. That <laughs> 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 then I know, yeah. Well, We're extremely grateful to um, Kona Bible Church, the Lutheran Church, Brian Kaiser. They have accepted us. Um, They have been so welcoming and gracious. They just literally opened up their arms wide open. They're like, come in, come in, use the building, just gave us the key and said, open anything you want, like literally just welcomed us um, really well. So we're thankful to them. We're really grateful to them. This morning, I had an opportunity to... Uh, preach uh, for, for, uh, for Brian. He's on quarantine. He just got back from Mainland. Um, and so I passed on our gratitude to them. And it's a great facility. The benches are really soft. If you've been in our old theater, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and just the space itself is really reverent. You feel like you're at church. Yeah. <clears throat> And um, just to give you guys an update, we are here for June, July, maybe a little longer. Um, There's no time limit set. Uh, But we are actively looking for a building, for a space, um, a permanent space. And by we, I mean the board, Jay, Toby, um, Uncle Craig, uh, the staff, myself, we're inquiring about spaces, looking, seeing. And so we'd ask that you would join us in that search with your prayers, Um, and if you guys have some connections or something, uh, we'd love to talk to you, Um, yeah. And so we're going to keep you updated through this process as things come or not, so. Well, last time we've met, we were finishing up the book of Exodus, and I don't know when you guys have tuned in last and where you guys um, dropped off. Um, but the book of Exodus is finished, in case you didn't know. Um, and currently, we are going through a study in uh, Psalms, and we're going to be here just for a little bit of time um, until we get some stability. And then afterwards, we're going to jump into uh, the book of Ephesians. Um, and the point of Ephesians is gonna, we're going to try to we're going to look at what it means for us, the church, for Shorebrick Church, to live for the glory of God in the place that God has called us to. So that's what we're going to look into Ephesians 4. But right now we're in Psalms, and this morning I want to look with you at Psalm 23. This is a very familiar psalm. Uh, without a doubt, probably the most popular psalm to such a degree that it almost became cliche. We hear these beautiful truths, and they just kind of just go past our ears because we're so familiar with it. Um, so you're probably not going to hear anything new this morning, but I really uh, don't think we need anything new. We've had too much new. Um, and so we go to the scriptures, we go to God's word um, to be reminded of something unshakable, something unchanging. And today I want us to look into this steadfast love. And affection that Jesus has for us, his church. So, Psalm 23, if you can stand for the reading of God's word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters, He restores my soul. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, it is so good to be together, gathered as your church. Lord, many of our hearts just are leaping with joy right now. We've missed this. Father, I just pray that you would inhabit the praises of your people, that you would, Father, minister to our hearts. We are depleted. We are in need of restoration, and we acknowledge that, and we invite you, Lord, to minister to us as we dive into your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, for the glory of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Um So David wrote this psalm, and uh, quick background on some of the experiences that David went through. Um, He did not have what you would call an easy life. Even though he uh, was royalty, he was a king, um, he, he, he did not have an easy life. From his very youth, he was overlooked, despised by his family, by his brothers. He was persecuted by King Saul who was seeking to kill him, being jealous of David. His own house turned against him as his son uh, seized the throne and sought to kill David. And so his trials weren't just external. There was a lot of external trials, but that wasn't it. Um, as much as he was a victim, he was always also the um, instigator. David dealt with many self-inflicted wounds. And that spiritually and morally brought him to very low moments as he went through dark times in his life. And so, in short, he knew what it was to have a restless soul. Like any other human being, like any other human, he had deep emotional and spiritual needs. He knew what it means to be weak and what it meant to be uncertain to wait for God to move because he was powerless. And so today, I say we could probably relate to David. This has not been an easy time. There's been a lot of uncertainty around us. A lot of us are tired. And today, like never before, we need to reset our gaze on Jesus. We need to reset on ga- our gaze on the shepherd of our soul. And so in this psalm, David takes the posture of a sheep. It's a very lowly posture. David knew sheep. He spent much of his early life dealing with sheep. And what we know is that sheep are not impressive animals. They're just, they're just not. They're actually pretty foolish. They are needy animals. They need a shepherd to guide them, to protect them, to provide for them. And if not, they will quickly be lost and destroyed by predators. And so as David takes the position of a sheep, he does it understanding the weakness of man, the complexity and the uncertainty of life, and the need for provision, for guidance, for security. As the king, he had so much control, he had so much power, and yet he acknowledges this. And so, this psalm is a confession of need, a confession of dependence. You have to be really aware of your neediness to write the psalm. It's an acknowledgement that we don't have life all figured out, that we don't have it all together. That we cannot do it alone, and that we are weak and needy people. And also, this psalm is a declaration of confidence and a declaration of hope. David says, The Lord is my shepherd. He he appeals to God not as this obscure or distant power, but he appeals to him as a very personal. And relational God, sovereign God, ruler of everything, takes the role of a shepherd to love and to care for his sheep. And notice the assurance here in David's words, the, in this personal relation here. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not questioning, is he or not? David is proclaiming that the Lord is my shepherd right here, right now. And he's not just a shepherd. He's a, he, he is my personal shepherd. He knows me. I know him. There's this sense of relationship going on here. And as you hear this, if you can say today, this evening, that the Lord is my shepherd, If you are one of his sheep, then what follows, these promises, they belong to you. This assurance, it belongs to you. And so, David declares, because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We are weak. He is strong. We are helpless. He is a powerful God who loves us, who stoops low to be our shepherd. And the result of that, the result of this God coming to us to shepherd us is that we shall not want. The sheep of Jesus are content. They are satisfied. The sheep of Jesus are well taken care of. What he's not saying is that If Jesus is your shepherd, then you're going to get everything that you desire. Instead, it means that the shepherd will give his sheep all that they need. Another way to put this, um, the NIV translation says, I will lack in nothing. There is no lack. Jesus is a shepherd that knows the needs of his sheep. He knows our deepest longings of our hearts. He knows how to take care of you. So at the end of the day, you can say, "I shall not want." And so as we look at the rest of this chapter, um, what I want to do is answer the question of, how does Jesus satisfy us? How can we, with David, say, "I shall not want." How can we be content? In the midst? of all that's going on, how can we be content? And so the first thing we see is that Jesus as a shepherd gives us an abundant life. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so, like, this the description, that this image that David paints here, the, the, the green pastures, the still water, if you're a sheep, this is where you want to be. This is like the dream spot for sheep. Um, endless food, still, safe water, endless delight, soft grass that you can lay down on or eat it's an image of peace it's an image of serenity and some of us hearing this we want to take a camping trip right now to a place like this just go unplug relax Um, and some of us might desperately need that but that's not what David is talking about So what are these green pastures? What are these calm, refreshing waters? And they are the words of life. This is scriptures. This is God's food that he has given, God's nutrient that he has given to us through his word. And if you notice, David says, he makes me lie down. It's a description of Enablement. God's Spirit meeting you on the pages of Scripture and He makes you, He enables you to see. He makes you see how beautiful the truth within the Scripture is. He makes it alive for us. Food and water, they give refreshment and, new, and, and, and uh, restoration to our body. His Word, made alive by the Spirit, brings restoration. To your soul, it revives you. And so, as you drink, as you delight in the truths of God's word, your soul is restored. Renewal happens. And isn't this what we all crave for? A place where we can be understood. A place where we can belong. Somewhere where we can go and have our broken pieces mended together. God is inviting us to his green pastures, to the still waters. And it is the gracious work of God that does this work. When we are able to open the scriptures and in it we find peace and rest. We cannot do this on our own. The spirit of God does that work. So much times we open up scriptures and it's dry. It's boring, we get distracted. How sweet are those times when God makes his word alive. And this is what we crave for. This is what we long and this is the grace of God for us to experience his word in such a way. A lot of times when we we, we have a wrong posture when we think of approaching God, We might think that we need to be whole, that we need to have it all together. The truth is God does not expect you to come to him with a restored soul. He is a shepherd that knows us really well. He knows that our souls need to be restored. And that's what he does. He loves people who are depleted. He loves people who are tired. And he invites us to himself. So that he himself can restore us. David says, He leads me in paths of righteousness. The other thing that's awesome about having Jesus as your shepherd is you don't have to guess am I on the wrong path? Am I on the right path? When we follow Jesus, we can be assured that the path that he is taking us is right. Sheep don't know the right path, sheep get lost, sheep get tangled. Sheep fall off the cliff, but a good shepherd, he knows all the right places, all the right paths as he takes his sheep through wilderness. He knows where there is an abundance of food and water. In this life, it wasn't meant for us to live on our own. We weren't, God didn't tell us, go figure it out. On our own, we go astray. But the good shepherd invites us to follow him as he leads us. He doesn't force us. He doesn't um, drive us. But he lovingly leads us. And you can trust his leading. So Jesus gives us an abundant life. That is why our souls shall not want. And the second thing we see here is that Jesus provides a secure life. That's verse 4. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So not only are sheep needy, not only are they weak, but they, are also, but they also have enemies. The valley of the shadow of death that David is talking about here is the image of great threat and great danger. These are the dark moments of life. It could be personal, it could be moments that we experience as families, as communities, as a nation, as, a, as, as just humanity right now. Here, David doesn't discount evil. He doesn't undermine it. He says it's a real threat. It's a real danger. But yet, in the face of evil, he says, I will not fear. And the reason he does not fear, again, is because in this dark valley, present with him is the shepherd Jesus. And he says, in his hands, there is a rod and a staff. If you know, um, a staff and a rod are, it's like a cane that helped the shepherd walk through wilderness, through rough terrain. Um. But it was also used as a weapon, a weapon to drive away wild animals and um, enemies. A rod can also symbolize power and authority. And I think we see both things at play here. The great shepherd has power. He has authority and dominion over all evil, over all darkness, and all of our enemies as we think about our own dark valleys, as we think about um, evil shadows, all of our enemies, all of your enemies are Jesus' enemies. And Jesus defeated them all. He's won the victory. And you can find comfort In his power, you can find comfort in his authority. There is no one that is more powerful or greater than Jesus. Under the guidance of Jesus, there is comfort, there is security, even in the face of the most greatest threats, to such a degree that we can say, I will not fear. And lastly, here in verse 5 and 6, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And, we, and here we see a shift. Uh, the shepherd, uh, his, his role changes. The shepherd becomes a host. And we see this this table that is set. We go from valleys and pastures and paths, and we arrive at a dwelling. There is a house. There is a table that is being set. There is this uh, sense of arrival. We're finally here. And so when Jesus is your shepherd, not only will he provide for you, and keep you secure as he leads you through life. But when you have Jesus, you have already arrived. You already have the, have the best you could possibly have. You have a seat at his table. This, is, this table here and, and Jesus serving is this image of life in the presence of God. It is finally arriving to the house of God. It's this already not yet that is happening here. As Paul says in Ephesians, you already are seated in the heavenly places. It is true, we are. But we are waiting for the day when that's going to become a reality, um, more fulfilled reality. And so the same thing is happening here. We await until we arrive, but we have already arrived. as we wait for Jesus to take us home into his presence, we already have a seat at the table. We can already experience his presence. And he's a great host. He honors his guests. He takes us, like we sang, wretches, needy sheep. He restores us. He sits us at a table and he honors us. He prepared a table before me. Jesus takes the position of a servant, the position of a waitress to serve us at, at his table. He anoints us with oil. Only the most honorable guests would get this treatment. It's a symbol of Blessing. Such is abundance that it overflows. We don't have time to get into this. There's many sermons that could be preached right here. And so, as we look at this picture, the seat at the table in the presence of God, David says, This is forever. We can be assured that we have this seat forever. If you are his sheep, it is your place, there is security in the presence of God. There is acceptance. And a lot of times when we think of being in God's presence, uh, we think of it as escaping, escaping from pain, escaping from suffering. Uh, We might think of it as like... Going to the green pastures where there's no one else but us and Jesus. But if you notice in Psalm 23, the enemies, they never leave. They're right here. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And how true is this? On this earth, in this life, we cannot escape the experience of pain and sin and suffering. As hard as you try, you cannot escape it. Six months ago, I would have to convince you of that. Today, I don't. The circumstances that we are in scream this reality. As long as we live, we will experience pain, we will experience suffering, injustice, disappointment, weakness, or whatever other dark valley or enemy that you have. But God promises us, this is his promise to you, that in the presence of the enemies, he will be present. He will be here, In the presence of enemies, there is danger and threat. But here, there is, in the scripture, we don't see any, anybody rushing. We don't see anybody scrambling. You sit down and you allow Jesus to prepare you a meal. You just allow him to bless you. When you go out uh, to eat, to eat out in a nice restaurant. I don't know when it was the last time any, any one of us did that. You don't want to rush. You come to a nice place. You just want to relax. You want to be served. You want to soak in the experience. This is what's going on here. This is done in the presence of enemies. Surrounded by them, we can still sit down for a meal at his table and he will serve us. So great is his presence that instead of fear and anxiety, we get peace. We get restoration. And so, to finish this off, I just want to remind us why this, isn't, this is even possible for us in the first place to experience Jesus in such a way. And interestingly, um, we see that before Psalm 23, there is Psalm 22. Psalm 22 is one of the clearest prophecies on the suffering of Jesus. In order for us to be his sheep, Jesus the shepherd had to lay his own life down for his sheep. Before we could be accepted by Jesus, Jesus had to be rejected. For us to find comfort in his staff and in his rod, Jesus had to be beaten with a rod. Before leading us through dark valleys, he himself walked through the deepest, darkest valley, experiencing the full force of evil and sin. Also, that he could take lost sheep like me and you and to put us on the right path. And today, the reason we can say with David that Jesus is my shepherd, the reason we can declare that is because Jesus says to you, church, you are my sheep. Not only did he claim you, but he bought you and you were really, really expensive. It was his blood that paid the price. So church, as we face lots of uncertain times, as we face moments of darkness, as we feel surrounded by enemies, rest in this truth. This is not some cliche poem. Jesus has declared himself in John 10 that he is our shepherd. This reality is yours today and right now. Let's pray. Father, you have been so good to us. What love is this that you would, the king of the universe, stoop down to make us your own. That you would adopt us into your family. That you would give us a seat at your table. And that you would serve us. That you would honor us as guests of honor. Lord, I pray that these pictures of delight, delight in you and your word, they'd be engraved on our hearts. That we would, be jealous for these moments. That when your word feels dry and boring, that we would beg for your grace to make it alive to us. Father, I pray that we would see you as our leader, as our shepherd, that we would find rest in the fact that following you, we will find delight we will find security, we will find abundance, we will find restoration for our souls. These are not just some ideas, these are not some theories, but this is a reality for your people. And Father, I just pray that this would be a reality to every single one of us here. We pray for your grace to be with your church. In Jesus' name, amen.